The AFL is preparing to charge Melbourne footy club heavies Cameron Schwab and Chris Connolly and former coach Dean Bailey with bringing the game into disrepute. It follows tanking allegations from 2009. Well, it might have been the worst kept secret in footy, but now we all know the Gold Coast Suns will be running out in the AFL next season. The Crows have been hit with a $300,000 fine and lost two draft picks over the salary cap and draft tampering scandal. Club officials have also copped lengthy suspensions and Kurt Tippett's been banned for 11 matches. Today the AFL signed the biggest TV deal in Australian history except for the Olympics. $1.2 billion over the next five years from Channel 7 and Foxtel. Alright, um, we're going to talk about the AFL administration and we're joined for this conversation by Chief, who there is uh, back from his sojourns in the wilderness or whatever the hell he's been doing. So, uh, welcome aboard, Chief. Good good to be here. Yes, excellent. Um, we may welcome, have... Chief. How are you? <laughs> we may have, <laughs> we may have uh, been uh, alluding to um, your uh, safaris and whatnot earlier in the podcast. Um... So we're going to talk about the AFL administration and some key decisions that they've made over the last couple of years. And uh, obviously the big one has been uh, the expansion process. And how have we, how have we seen uh, the AFL's performance uh, in that in expansion? And perhaps, Prosecutor, we'll start with you. All right. Um, okay, we'll start with the Gold Coast. Uh, go chronologically. Um I think the Gold Coast has been a pretty successful venture to date um, for the markets going into, and it's been a very volatile one. And when you, especially when you look at some of the other teams that have gone there in the past, and um, I can't think of their, you know, monikers, but um, you know, the A League team went down there, now, drain. Two basketball memory. teams. Yeah, the basketball team. teams. Yeah, the Titans are struggling. So, you know, when you look at it all, and after the first two years, the they're on track to do well, and they look to have actually, um, you know, held ground, and they look to be firming up there. So, you know, all credit to them. I think Gary Ablett's been great for them. Um, GWS, uh, obviously, it's a longer-term program, and the idea's right, but I just think it's going to be an uphill struggle the whole way through. No doubt they're going to be successful on the field. They've been pretty much assured of being a very, very competitive team, if not, you know, pre- multiple premiers. But um, I, don't, I don't know about the feasibility of Western Sydney, especially when it's such a parochial NRL or um, even soccer's taken off there. So it's hard to see them doing well there. And, you know, part of me wishes that they went to Tasmania as well because they've been crying out for a team. And I think in some ways they deserve one too. Mm. So in the grand scheme of things, I think expansion's been, that's a good thing for the game. And I think it's had to happen, but whether it's the right way, I think uh, GWS is going to go a long way to deciding that and how they end up going over decades, not in the next couple of years, but in the long term. They're going to be propping these teams up for 15 years or more. I mean, the biggest concern I'd have with GWS is that their crowds are very poor already and they're one of their direct market competitors, which is the West Indy Wanderers, in their first season almost went straight to the top of their league and in a in a, an area of, of uh, Australia where soccer has a, a strong foothold already. And uh, I'd... 
I think this is going to be they're going to be on life support for 15 years at least, regardless of the talent they have. But that's that's why I think it was not so much a failing of the AFL, so much it was a failing of Greater Western Sydney's administration and their recruitment process. What would you? I mean, would you? Do you think the Gold Coast model or the GWS model? Because I mean, they really approach the recruitment models very differently. Gold 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 Coast is a far better system. The system the Gold Coast uses is a far better system Explain than the what GWS did. Sorry. Explain the systems that they use. What are they? What What are the systems? Well, I would say the Gold Coast have gone for more established, high-profile talent that can protect the younger kids, where I'd say GWS have used lesser, younger, perhaps cheaper talent. It's probably a cat move in some respects. I think they've probably overpaid some less, less credentialed footballers, but they've got a group of kids who are just a little bit older than their draftees and they would grow together, but... As a result, those draftees get much less protection on the field. I I still think those those GWS kids are better than the Gold Coast kids pound for pound. It's not just that, though. It's it's the way the whole Gold Coast thing was set up. They've got a better stadium arrangement. They're not travelling to, you know, they're not spending the first third of their year in Canberra. Yeah, absolutely. and, And going to Cairns is actually, for one game a year, is actually a brilliant promotional move on their part. Well, it's an away game as well. That's right. They lose nothing at all by going... And that's what the AFL should have done in, in, in Canberra. They should have sent them there for three games and played them off against Melbourne and the Bulldogs or whatever every year. That's fine. Yeah. Melbourne and the Bulldogs are up for that kind of crap. But well, um, it's Sorry, also... they on their, first, on their initial list of 48, yeah. they had 16 Queenslanders, Gold Coast. Mm. Uh, Greater Western Sydney had nothing like that. Nothing like that at all. And yeah, but so, you can't you can't put them on as token talent. They've got to they've got to pay their way. Yeah, but guys like Charlie Dixon and uh, oh, Christ, I can't remember anyone else off the top of my head. But they had a number of Queensland and uh, the fact that um, Carmichael Hunt wasn't as big a failure as Israel Folau, you know, mm. but, and the fact that Ablett has just come along and dominated where uh, Greater Western Sydney couldn't get a comparable player. I mean. All up, they had a better setup. Would it be fair to say that um, Gold Coast was uh, heavily marketed going into it as in comparison to Greater West Sydney? Because it seems like GWS were just uh, kind of shoved in there, whereas there was this big build-up, obviously, with the Gold Coast and North Melbourne as well, so there was a bit more exposure. I think they released them too close together. That's that's the problem. Like The the teams were going to be made, but you needed more build-up time for Sydney. And... Gold Coast had an extra year development. They had a year in the VFL before they... Put they were in TSC Cup. Yeah. And then they were in... Yeah, so they had two years before they played AFL. What did the GWS do? I think they played a year in the NFL. Which yeah. is like paying... They may as well have played a year in, you know, they some... Well, yeah, they may as well played yeah. a year in, in, like, the Southern Football League or something. Division Three. yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, a, it was a, just an overall worse setup. And then they got to their recruiting and... Taking, you know, a crap load of kids in a, you know, which is, if you have a look at what the Wanderers did, and they pulled in star players, and they had FFA funding, and federal government funding, and it was in a soccer mad area. You couldn't, you couldn't afford to give them that leg up. And that's, they they screwed up royally, A, by putting on uh, just 20 kids like, and every week they ran out with kids who just got the crap belted out of them. 
Um, and then they stuffed up with the whole uh, stadium move and the stadium negotiations. And yes, they got $20 million for 10 years to go to Canberra, but they lose three games a year from, from Sydney themselves. And they stuffed up by calling themselves Greater Western Sydney in the first place. Such a nothing name. Just, it is. Yeah, what is it? I mean, it means nothing. It has no, no meaning. Well, in good news for him, at least at the Sounds uh, fainted. <laughs> Jamie. <In> a... <laughs> well, in some good news for him, at least, they um, at least got the theme song right, but when that's the pinnacle of your achievements, uh, you've yeah, got some problems. <laughs> but I, I, think, um, I think as well, the AFL's got less of a risk in, uh, in Gold Coast. They, they they will be profitable long before GWS are. Do you think so? Because it's not it's it's the market where sporting teams go to die. Well, it's it's also underwritten. It really is. Yeah. It's also underwritten by probably the richest football club outside of the AFL, and who's probably richer than many clubs in the AFL. Southport Sharks. Southport Sharks. Southport, yeah. who wanted a team of their own for twenty odd years, they started applying in nineteen eighty six. They yeah. kept getting knocked back every time there was an expansion, and then they said, "Well, you know." And the AFL opted to put their own team in rather than put Southport in, probably wise. But uh, South- and Southport are in there as the underwriters for the club, so yeah, principal yeah, sponsors. No, oh, there's, there's there's more backing there. Full stop. There's more financial backing, but ultimately they're going to be judged by how many supporters they can get too, how many pe- people they can get through the door. Well, nineteen thousand on the weekend is uh, a. You know, and a couple of good wins. That's all they've needed. Yeah, yeah and the next week they'll get it, and they get another good win next week, and it'll they'll be all on. Well, you look at what happened. I mean, you look what happened to, to um, with Brisbane and that sort of thing. You didn't hear, you didn't know they were here. I mean, you knew you know, they were up in Brisbane, but you didn't know anything about them until they started winning, until they got into the finals, and then there were banners up all down the streets, and it was you know. So, success does lead to success. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the that's Gold Coast are going to be a bandwagon team for at least the first decade or so. And then... no, they will be forever. Queenslanders are like that. But yeah. how, many, so, how many supporters up there are just members of other clubs that are going along because they've moved to the Gold Coast and they've got, they've got their flat on a swamp and they go and watch the Gold Coast because they, they don't get to see Collingwood every oh, week? Yeah. Take them as take them as you get them. I'd yep. say. I reckon there's a lot of expat money's Victorians living on the yeah. Gold Coast. Yeah, their money's as good as anyone else's. All right. So how are we? I, I think from the consensus that we've had here, we're rating this about fifty-fifty in terms of the, the Gold Coast expansion being okay and the GWS one being less than ideal. I'd give it a more, You get more to a country footy game with Fev showing up than you do to a goal, the Greater Western Sydney. Maybe Fev should go to Greater Western Sydney. That's a perfect plan. Perfect plan. And I, and I think it's just a matter of the AFL always trying to trying to get uh, get an early start on the the NRL and uh, you know get into these markets first. And you know sometimes they probably let it let it fester a little bit longer rather than rush into You're it. Building stuff there. Great. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, uh, when I think of the um, GWS, I think that the AFL might have played the short game where they should have played the long game, and GWS vice versa, where they're playing the long game when they should play the short. And I think that's going to set them back a bit. But overall, I think GWS is going to be the deciding uh, asset for the AFL in how they end up going with expansion and all that sort of stuff and how they get rated. Because I think, the, as you said, the Gold Coast is considerably less riskier than the GWS. So GWS is going to be the um, 
the reference point when the expansion comes up in 10, 20, 50 years. All right. So we're going to move on to the next decision, uh, next key decision the AFL's made recently, and that'll be Melbourne's tanking penalty, or not tanking penalty, as it were. And uh, how did we see that? And perhaps, um, Messenger, I'll, I'll ask you this first up. Well, it's cl- it, I'll give this an F. They, they investigated something, they suspended two people, they fined them, but ultimately said that they were innocent of the charges that they brought against them. I mean, it was absolutely and utterly ludicrous. Absolutely utterly ludicrous. They created I think a you'll system. you find many people to argue with that. No. no, they created a system and then found out that somebody actually took advantage of that system and punished them for it. Yeah, I don't know why they opened a full-fledged investigation for it anyway because, I mean, what were they hoping to get out of it? It was only going to be create a shitstorm, which it did. Like, um, Melbourne threatened to take them to court, so they obviously negotiated an outcome, and then all that happens is they give them a fine and punish them for not tanking. Uh, it was a no-win situation. about giving them the money back when they're tanking that they didn't do, didn't work. Yeah. Exactly. So It's, it's, it's like an extra drawing of craziness. Yeah, can we have a fight? Can we have a grant to pay for the fine you gave us? <laughs> so um, I just don't do understand why they looked at it again. To be honest, it's one of those things where it well, was because people st- talked. People at Melbourne were talking, and, and people were yeah. willing to testify on the record to the AFL. And even then, that wasn't enough. I think it's one thing to do it quietly and and not um you know not be outspoken in the media about it. But once you start getting out into the media, you have to be seen to be doing something. And unfortunately, that's what happened here. They had to be seen to be doing something, and that resulted in a five hundred thousand dollar fine. No one was really happy with the outcome, and you know we move on, and it'll keep getting referenced from now to eternity. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not a lot to be said about that one. It was just a big. It was a farce, and everybody's pretty much agrees on it. So yeah. All right. So Adelaide and uh, Adelaide last year had a bit of a snafu, as you like, with. Uh, with uh, Kurt Tippett. Tippett ended up getting an 11-match suspension. Uh, Stephen Trigg got a six-month suspension. Um, how have we seen that? And perhaps uh, ODN, what, what, have you, what are your views on that? Uh, look, I, you know, I, obviously being a Carlton supporter, I know what I know what uh, salary cap breaches, you know, penalties look like. Um, you know, you're always in secret hope that somebody will get done as hard as you were. So, um, I think it's fairly clear there was a there was a breach there, um, but again, I mean, uh, I think they went soft on they went soft on on Tippett for his part and his management and Tippett were in that up to their eyeballs and um, and and I don't get I don't quite get the whole six months for for Trigg and being able to come back into the club and how and how that whole thing works and whether he was genuinely away from the club in the first place anyway. Um, it just it just seemed like a bit of an untenable situation for me as far as Trigg goes. Um, how, how is it that how is it he still has a job? I, I, it, I think we're all flabbergasted. It defies belief. I, I mean, think that Ian Robson got the boot for not knowing stuff, and he knew yeah. Trigg knows everything, yeah. and uh, he gets to come back. And Carlton. Robson's um, uh, Robson's credentials and his achievements were much more uh, decorated than. Uh, Triggs works. I mean, I was reading on the Adelaide board, might have been yesterday or the day before, but uh, under Trigg, they've gone from being the highest uh, club membership total wise to sixth or seventh. Um, just, and obviously, this has happened and all that sort of stuff, but yet he still remains. And 
to be honest. I can't, I can't believe he got six months. I mean, you look at players like, oh, people like Dean Wallace who put a bet on a non-Esting game and he's out for six months or whatever. And you've got the umpire who did a $10 bet and got a bloody six-month or one-year sentence, yet he gets away with six months for salary cap uh, infringements. I think that's what the, the, frustrates most people is there's a lack of consistency in the penalties. Well, the interesting thing about that, though, I thought was the way they treated Tippett. Now, Tippett basically put his hands up and said, oh, it was my agent's fault they did it. But now, Chief, you've done about a third of a law degree. Agency about law says it, About a third. Agency law essentially says that you're, you're responsible for the actions of your agent as long as the agent's acting within the brief that you gave them. Does that sound fair? That sounds exactly how my uh, my lecturers would have put it. Yeah, so in essence, Tippett was responsible. Yet he gets a free he gets a, a, essentially a free pass. He gets a twelve week holiday because um, he gets to throw his hands up and say I didn't know anything about it. Whereas really, in on point of law, and I'm no big city lawyer, but he he was completely responsible. I think that comes back down to the threat of legal action and the AFL wanting to avoid it at all costs. Because you don't like like we talked about earlier, you don't want to be taking the AFL systems into court because they will be pretty much found uh, restraints. So, yeah, I think this says there's a. I think it points that there's a fundamental problem with the AFL that you know any saga that comes up and any threat of penalties just gets threatened with court action and then you know the, the really? punishments negotiated yeah. down. Saying, really, it really highlights the house of cards, isn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, which, you guys are obviously gearing up for your own. <laughs> which makes it more. Which makes it ironic because Carlton, when they got flogged by the AFL in 2002, uh, Ian Collins pointedly said, "We're not taking the AFL to court. We made a decision that we weren't going to take the AFL to court over it. We we're going to take our whack." I think that's the only time that's ever happened since. Like, it, no yeah, one... look what that got. Yeah, making yeah, Carlton exactly. the most honest club in the league. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we took our punishment. We've been cleansed. We uh, put our hands up and took our punishment. But yeah. it, it, it does tell you that, you know, you for all the criticisms we give the NRL and their administration, when they whack a club, they whack a club. Don't they just? I mean, they strip Canterbury of a premiership. They strip Melbourne of two. I mean... Despite the fact that the owners of that of the of that club probably knew exactly what was going on. And were the league's major, you know, tele, TV rights... Uh, sponsor, so you know, it's 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 something we can learn from the NRL, perhaps. I think I mean there's there's a big problem with the way these sporting leagues work. I mean, you know, you have to have um, you've got a set number of teams. The teams can't drop out into another league. They can't be you know go anywhere. So the AFL has got to play this sort of shell game where they're moving money and people and, and people via the draft and money by via redistribution around between a set number of teams, all of whom could do anything at any time in relation to dishonesty and all that sort of thing. They can't just say, nah, get out, and then bring up a lower league team to take their place or anything like that. Um, there's no... For a team, there is no real um, penalty no. of extinguishing their life um, there are all these sorts of suspended penalties where they take the money and then if they if the penalty's too harsh, they have to give the money back to them or loan it back to them or give them a grant or you know. Yeah, just look at it's... Melbourne. Mind you, yeah, that is commission, that's commission policy. That's not 
that's not in the AFL rules. That's just what the commission does. And another commission might change might change the way that's done. Sure, but entirely. if you're suggesting that the penalties are, are, are tempered by the idea that they can't possibly stand up to court challenge, it's then the they fi- have to... And this is a system that the clubs have all agreed to. Yeah, it's the fear that it will. They, the AFL lives under this fear that they'll get taken to court and they'll have had legal advice that says, oh, if we go to court on this matter, particularly the the salary cap, particularly the draft, then, uh, you know, we, we're going to get screwed over. And so anything that threatens a player's welfare or uh, 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 their earning power, you know, especially with the AFLPA becoming slightly more militant these days, it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to lead to it's- tears. It's a fairly, fairly craven way to run your organisation, though, isn't it? But it's what happens when you try to you start playing around with balances and you try to artificially create balance. Because ultimately, the players, the players actually challenging that, run the risk of killing the goose. Yep. Don't no, they? No one the thinks N- of that. The NRL did it. They 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 got rid of their draft under under legal threat. Yeah, but not their salary cap. And no. It's just one of those. You know, one of those things. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, so, how, how have we rated that Tippett's that Tippett saga? I give it a D. Yeah, it didn't go far enough. Yeah, I think yeah, we were, pretty much. I don't think anyone was overly happy mm-hmm. with that either. It's just anyway. Uh, moving along to the next uh, the next uh, Anderson's resignation and uh, the appointment of Evans as a football operations manager. Um, that's fairly recent. How have we seen that? Uh, perhaps Messenger, since uh, he was a Hawthorne guy. Well, Chris... Uh, sorry, Chris Evans. Uh, Evans was never... Um, he, he was never renowned as being a particularly talkative guy at Hawthorne. He was always famous for his uh, his injury reports, in which they were only always one week away and ended up being off for 10. Um, Anderson always looked like he was somewhat out of his depth. He was a... A, a, a legal man rather than a football person and whether they needed somebody to come in from the club environment to perhaps cast a different perspective on it. I don't have a strong opinion either way other than to say that Adrian Anderson was uh, clearly not going to go any further up the ladder and I now think he's now uh, assisting that great organisation Cricket Australia. Um, <laughs> Which is going great guns. Which is going beautifully. <laughs> Take, so, taking them down. Being appointed captain Allegedly. of the Titanic, yes. Uh, so, um, I guess it raises the question: you know, Why did Anderson resign, or was he pushed, or did he see, did he see uh, foresee this uh, coming iceberg, so to speak? Or well, if the, if this, are we allowed to speculate here? You speculate yeah. all you want. Allegedly, Spe- remember allegedly, 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 he was told he'd reached. He'd hit his head on the ceiling at the AFL. That was it. There was no, there was no prospect of him ever replacing Demetriou. I think that was made clear when they went all out to sign McLaughlin again. That's exactly right. And uh, whether he was going to get the push, I don't know. I, it could well be, but he uh, sort of uh, fulfilled the Peter principle uh, well enough, and uh, that was it for him. But he wasn't really performing. I mean, he was—he he couldn't deliver a coherent message, and he uh, jumped from side to side with his rule, his decision making, and what have you. So, no, yeah. no, no, subscribing to the school of thought that he left ahead of the Essendon thing. Um, Saw it coming. Keeping in <laughs> mind, at that stage, he had the Melbourne 
uh, tanking thing on his plate too. And maybe, <sighs> I'm not sure about the tippet. He might have had that too. Yeah, oh. no, dealt, I think the tippet was the last thing you dealt with, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, what would it have harmed him to have been stayed there through the Essendon saga? Oh, who what, wants what? to be the face of the AFL, buddy, sitting in front of the press conferences and saying nothing? Especially when you've hit the ceiling of your um, career progression there. Yeah. Well, if, he's gonna, yeah, if he was going to leave or he was going to be pushed out it was interesting uh, that sooner McLaughlin... or later anyways, he's, he, you'd be there like, nah, I don't want part of that. Gil McLaughlin's not exactly been front and centre. This is a can that Demetrius carries <laughs> now, isn't it? Oh, McLaughlin was front and yeah, centre during the first couple of weeks. He, he yeah, fronted the, the press um, conferences When the ACC was released, he was the one front and centre, but he hasn't really been seen. Well, Demetrio yeah, came back think... and he's... Oh, you're gone. Yeah, sorry, Demetrio came back from holiday and it's all, it's all Demetrio now. Yeah, and um, I think uh, it was interesting what Jamie said on the podcast before about um, the difference of opinion and different of me- uh, difference of methods between the head honcho and the second in charge, uh, which is an interesting. Uh, that'd be interesting to see what actually really is happening there, but I guess we don't want to speculate, and you know, allegedly yeah, doesn't no. get us off, so probably shouldn't go there. The thing I think about Dimitri, since I read Rebecca's Journey, I always picture Dimitri eating um, cream buns all day. (laughs) Allegedly. And and kids, if you ever ever do need to read some fine literature, do search for Rebecca's Journey in Bay 13. Okay. Um, So the final final thing that the commission had to make a big call on was the TV rights. Um, And... uh, I guess, yeah. Um, I don't know, Chief. You can take this one. I have no idea about the TV rights. I haven't been watching it, looking at it, or anything. So no, I can't take this one. All right, I'll take this one. <laughs> Try. Um, in terms, it, it was the biggest uh, media rights deal, not just TV rights, because it incorporated uh, Telstra's digital rights. Um, as for one point two five three billion, um, it's a huge sum of money. It. Compare, when you compare it uh, side by side to the NRL deal, even though the NRL got almost as much money, if not more, when they factor in their New Zealand rights, um, the AFL's meet, the, the AFL's coverage is still far superior to what uh, the NRL are getting out of theirs. In that there's no there's no um, guaranteed broadcast. Well, to get the guaranteed simulcast broadcast live, and the uh, as well as the guaranteed local coverage into every state, is still a massive achievement and would still be costing the AFL money in terms of uh, its TV rights. So you give up something, but they get much better coverage and they still got a shitload of money. Can't we get any of those clubs to put together a decent website, though? Yeah, oh. It is a... It is a slightly... It's still much better than it used to be when news ran the website, so... Oh, Do you remember the old... Do you remember the old websites that... Um, what's his name? Eddie McGuire's company or... Did um, <laughs> yeah, were, his company name was Multi E Media or something like that, Multi-E. and the websites were just—I was—I looked at them when they came in. I thought, oh, you know, my uh, uh, someone's nephew must have done that. It was terrible. They were my high school project. They were, they were horrible. <laughs> um, I'm just the one thing I'm disappointed though when it comes to the TV rights deal is that the AFL didn't negotiate for um, all games to be in high definition, native high definition. And I think that's the one blight that I have is that you look at all these other sports in the world and all this stuff they get broadcast. I mean, even a Liverpool game tonight and the Ashes and all this stuff, and they're all in high definition, yet 
you know, Friday night than, you know, this big spectacle that we've got in, you know, crappy old standard definition. So that would be my one criticism of the negotiations by the AFL. But apart from that, that's pretty wonder, much the hallmark if, of their administration. I wonder if that comes down to the fact that we're using a lot of smaller grounds uh, like Darwin, Cairns, Launceston, uh, But don't, um, don't Channel 7 record all their games in native HD, but they just um, they don't broadcast it? I would be surprised if that was the case. Um, I know it's rumoured to be the case, but I've never seen confirmation of it from 7. And I would be surprised if that was the case in the end, because the feed they give Fox is still standard, so... Because Fox, be... ups, Fox upscale the 7 feed. Yeah. So, it's I, I would be very surprised if they were recording it in high definition and not transmitting it as such. I would be uh, very keen in the next right steel to see them uh, negotiate uh, Tom Harley off any commentary teams, <laughs> along with Luke Darcy. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's important that the fans uh, want a better quality product. Well, this might be actually the last TV rights deal per se because with the NBN coming in uh, and AFL media uh, starting to build itself up, they, the AFL has been looking long term and I think you'd be able to back this up, Wookie, yep. about you know going it on their own and having their own sort of coverage uh, streamed. Yeah, the AFL is definitely looking at it, but to say it's the end of the... T- like, there will still be TV rights deals. There's no there's no question about it. The AFL derives a large sum of money from it. And screaming at themselves is not a guaranteed sum of money that they can say to the clubs, look, we've got this much. Yep. Here's what you're getting. So they still need the TV rights. They still need the radio rights. Um, the AFL has always, uh, since 87, I think, controlled the footage in general anyway. So any footage that Seven have taken, the AFL owns the rights to. Doesn't... So, uh... It's 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 not going to change, but the AFL will probably broadcast some of its own stuff, much as it's doing through its own website, but uh, on a much bigger scale. Probably using a third party like they are now overseas. Oh, God help us if Telstra are doing it. So it'll be crap. Whatever it is, the AFL will fail around for a year and then, uh, you know, try and nut out the bugs later. Because if they could get something like um, even the NBA, sort of what they have with their pass... Um, that'd be fantastic, but obviously they would. You know, you still got to have the TV networks to some degree to get that done. Right. So, I, I I personally rate the TV rights deal in in comparison to other TV rights deals. It it probably gets um probably gets an A. I have to admit, it's probably the only thing the commission have done absolutely right. Would you be fair to say that you love the way they went about it? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I love the way they went about it, but the fact that they guarantee local coverage. For local teams is pretty it's pretty special in terms of our broadcast coverage um, the NRL doesn't get anything like it the FFA doesn't get anything like it no other code in this country gets it um, the fact that you can watch GWS no matter how pitifully poor their ratings are and we're talking they got a 13 on a Friday night in Sydney the other night you can still watch your local team play locally uh, played locally on your TV, live, regardless of the uh, penalty that it's being paid to um, the, t- the TV ratings. I-, I think that's great. I think it's great for the sport. It's not good for the ratings, mm. but then again, free-to-air ratings are only down by less than a percent this year, so it's mm. all uh, much more much less. But so, yes, I give it an A. It's hard Very to disagree. Cool. Yeah. 
all up. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so I think having looked at these five key issues from the commission, and unless you guys have got something else that I haven't thought of in my list here. Well, there's one. There's a glaring one, but What's that, that one hasn't been resolved yet. Which one? What's oh, that? Well, obviously the Essendon. Thing. Essendon, yeah. yeah. And I'll, that'll have a large impact on the legacy Pro that Demetrio leaves. Probably one more that I'm loath to bring up, but I if I'm if in the interest of fairness, I should um, third party deals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on, give me give me credit for raising it. Look, he's, well, he, I will give you credit for raising it. But um, yeah, that it's um, no, I I don't have much else to say about third party deal. Again, um, that's that's just part yeah, of the whole yeah, you ecosystem, want to be careful. the false ecosystem that you've got with the AFL with the league is where you've got to shuffle people around to help out clubs do this, do that, you know, they can make up the rules as they go along, make decisions this way and that way. They don't have to be consistent across decisions yeah. because the objective is to, you know, extend, is to help clubs, and I, I know, to help I the think... league and that sort of thing. You know, it's, and it's sort of, um, they should be consistent for everyone to be happy about and, and to be satisfied with the way they're acting, but their objective to keep all the clubs you know mm. moving up and down over a certain number of years they, they do what they want I, I would be dissatisfied with the rules to be honest in that area in that they're not consistent enough yeah that yeah, yeah. That it's, there it's isn't not satisfying a, it's not there's the no you, don't, you don't look at it you think the, it, it's all yeah it's not satisfying if, but if you're North Melbourne and you're looking at putting players on third party groups you can't just look at it and go okay I, this is what I can do this is what the rule says you can go to the AFL and go, but you did this with, you know, Ablett, or you did this with uh, um, Judd, or you did this, and then they change the rules anyway. Oh, but you did, then you did this with Judd, and then you, and now you're offering yeah. this to Buddy, and now apparently he can do it in Melbourne. And yeah, it, it makes it, it. I mean, you want to operate in a in a environment in an environment where you can make decisions, plan for the future, and um, be sure of that the decisions you're making now aren't going to don't have hidden surprises yeah. and that sort of thing later on. Um, that's, you know, a democratic system, but they're not a democratic system. Mm. The other one that we haven't talked tonight about is uh, the Gold Coast and North Melbourne issue, uh, where the AFL tried to send North Melbourne to the Gold Coast and then uh, change its mind when North wouldn't go. But uh, Dawes mm. not here, and that would have been a lot of fun with him. Uh, there's one more, actually, I had um, that we haven't discussed. What's that, man? And I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if this was this commission or not, but the match review panel. That would have been this commission, I'm pretty sure. Because I think, because that's a pretty big damn change to what's happened, and obviously, and that's still causing controversy. It hasn't sure, been fixed. I'm pretty sure the match review panel was brought about after the AFL tribunal got taken to court. I can't remember who did it off the top of my head, but uh, one of the outcomes of that was that the judge basically said, you need to have a review panel. You, you need to um, have your own review panel. I can't for the life of me remember who the case was. But, uh, yeah. But I think the main point there, and we were talking about precedents before, but there's just no consistency with it. Yeah, and it's staggering that they don't allow uh, precedents to be used because I don't know how they aim to get consistency without that. I mean, they try the point system, but that's just inadequate when faced with what they're trying to achieve. It also goes against the principle that each incident stands on its own. 
Like if you're if you're taking points from previous incidents, how can each incident stand on its own when you come to the penalty phase? I, d I just I don't agree with any of it. But there you oh, go. Yeah. So, so I think when we when we summarise all of these incidents, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the, with the commission and how it's performing in general. Um, sadly for us, only the only the uh, you can't fire the commission. It's in the commission's rules. The, commission, the commissioners actually have to stand down. They can't be fired by the clubs. Uh, the club, the cl uh, there's uh, one or two commissioners a year that stand down on a casual basis. They can be re-elected, but only one of them is nominated by the clubs themselves. The clubs actually can't vote them out. It's uh, it's one of the very pear-shaped endings to the the. Uh, well, it ensures well, their. Uh, there's, there's no mechanism for removal. Oh, Kevin Rudd likes that. Sorry? Yeah. Oh, Kevin Rudd likes that. Sorry, you're sorry. One, two, three. Alright. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Messenger, what do you got? Well, what they're trying to do is remove the uh, uh, move a governing body that's beholden to the clubs. This is what they had in the NRL up until recently, where the ruling body was essentially a committee made of the clubs, and the clubs didn't do anything that wasn't in in their individual best interests. Yeah. The commission is charged with the responsibility of the game rather than the individual interests of the clubs. Yeah. So I don't see that as such a bad thing. No, no, but neither it's, do but I. It's married but... to this sort of Frankenstein yeah. system that that is trying to be, you know, trying to be legalistic and trying to be... Um, Trying to be consistent, trying trying not to be beholden to the clubs, trying trying not to be this, that, and the other. But the system itself, the whole AFL league, has to look out for every single club. Um, it's uh, yeah, trying to get to a point here. <laughs> I'll get to a point soon. Um, the two systems aren't really compatible when you're trying to be, you know, an independent, you know, almost a court type judiciary type system with a system that says blow all that, we'll make whatever decisions we like mm. on the fly. And and that's no. that's shown with the goal review system as well this year, where they're just bringing it in mid-season. <laughs> and uh, trying and, and really badly. Yeah. And so, really, then you have the um, interchange cap as well. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, that is going to be a disaster. Oh, I think yeah, we'd all be better off if they just... Committee the and, rules oh, committee. Oh, you could go on. Yeah. Uh. So, look, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the AFL Commission. And of all the incidents we've brought up, they've probably only done one right in the last eight or nine years. The rest of them have been absolutely colossal balls-ups when it comes down to it. Um, so, But there's not a lot we can do about it. It's either <coughs> we all stop watching the footy or going to the footy or, you know, supporting our clubs. Or, uh, you know, and as long as we keep doing that, the commission keeps... Um, keeps rolling on because they keep getting record crowds and record memberships and record TV ratings and well yeah and we're not we're not there we're not their uh, target audience are we we're already we're already um, we're committed. already committed to the course yeah. so that's you know, the problem we've had with um you know bloody uh, BT and all that sort of stuff it doesn't matter how much we whinge and all that sort of stuff but if the people at home you know the the soccer mums and all that sort of stuff like him then you know he's going to be there for a while. Yeah, I, I I think I've probably mentioned it before. I talked to the, one of the guys who does the uh, Channel Seven Sport. Um, I called him up over something that was going on the boards, and and you know I said I I 
I said, you know, you've read the threads about how they hate this guy and, and Channel 7 coverage is crap. And he's like, what? What? Do people talk about us? <laughs> and I was just sitting there, you, you, you don't worry about it, mate. All right, catch you later. They just they don't actually know or realise that people don't like certain. Yeah, I think um, don't uh, they have a social marketing team? I don't know. I, don't, I think they 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 are Channel Seven. Yeah. They are the the football, and and they don't even bother to check what other people think. Social they look at the ratings. Ratings are that, fine. Yeah, that's what Fango's for. Oh, <laughs> no, that's what Sam Lane's for. Yeah. Hello. Anyway, I'm going to leave this segment here, guys. Um, it's Shoot it. going to be quite lengthy, but um, that's going to be an extra. 